When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Irish Illustrated Insider. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson. We had the opportunity to see Notre Dame's open practice on Thursday, the fifth practice of the spring, another one on Saturday, the sixth practice, and we will also be in attendance for that. Some impressions, guys, from uh, from yesterday, offense, defense, uh, full practice. Yeah, I was, I was really focused on the offense, and it was a fun day for that. It was a lot of one-on-one, seven-on-seven, and 11-on-11, and Kevin Austin Especially 7-on-7, 1-on-1, had a great day. Uh, we were waiting for a great day from him, other than just knowing that we think he's we an were imposing athlete. We for a day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and I thought, I mean, I really thought Braden Lindsay looked very good, too. I, I couched these things only a little bit in that they were never really, when we saw Lindsay and Austin make plays, they were never against any of the upper echelon defenders on Notre Dame. And there were, there were some walk-ons involved when, when they were beating the deep post touchdown was a walk-on. I yeah. know it's Tematopagoro, who's a pretty was good late. player. But, yeah, yeah they're... So these guys had really good days, and that's what, we, that's what you want to see from rising sophomores. It's, they, they don't have to beat Troy Pride right now. Yeah, I thought that the the significant takeaways were the the freshman receivers um, to have sort of keys of the Lindsay move up a rung from like, uh, what are these what are these guys going to be to, okay, you can see what's happening. I, I mean, I think Austin looked like he's a, at some point will be Notre Dame's best receiver. Um, and if it happened this year, it wouldn't blow me out of the water. Um I thought Brock Wright's best day that I've yeah. seen oh ever, ever. Yeah. Um, so the the tight end tandem of Wright and Komet, I think, is finally going to be what people thought it was just destined to be when they signed. Um, but it's you know taken a couple of years to get there. It usually does. <laughs> yeah, that position. That's even, what happens. Yeah. Uh, I thought that Troy Pride looked like a bona fide number one corner, um, and I thought Houston Griffith was was probably as good as I've seen him as well. Um, you know, not that we've seen a lot of him, but I, I guess you're, you're looking for stuff not only during the reps but after around the reps. And the fact that he's like sort of getting in a shoving match and talking crap to Chris Fink, I feel like is significant because like I feel like most guys don't give it back mm. to a fifth year senior when they barely played. Uh, and then you know the quarterback situation was we'll get into that a lot. But that was interesting too. I it was. It was shocking to me that number 89 was Brock Wright. That's how yeah. different he looked. Um, and, at, you know, I mean, he, he was wide receiver-like in, in some respects. I don't want to over-exaggerate. But, you know, two, 248, somewhere 245, 248, it looked very good. It was obviously very good to see Kevin Austin just have a day, let alone have a really good he day. Had really, which is he had a really he good day. No, he yeah, really yeah. did. The bomb touchdown was the least impressive thing yes. he did. Yes. That's... Uh, but I, I yeah. thought I thought the best catch was the Braden Lindsay catch where he was coming across the middle, kind of pushing upfield. The ball was high, it was hard, and it was beyond him. And not only did Lindsay reach up and just snag it, but he stayed in stride and stayed on his feet. That to me accelerated. Yes, too. and yeah. accelerated after that. And you know how coaches talk about and they said this about Kevin Stefferson that you know, he can catch the ball while still running full yeah. speed. That's what Lindsey did, made a tremendous catch. 
after we heard all fall that his hands were not good and then stayed in stride and ran. That was the best play of the day for me. I liked how Keys was used in the little stuff yeah. that we saw. Some end around stuff. The first play that I saw was like an end around that went to Keys and it took me a second to figure out who 13 was. Um, I just think there's there's a potential for a little bit more variety in what they have at receiver, how they rotate at receiver. I don't think that they they only played three receivers last year because they felt like they only had three receivers that could actually go out there and do the job. Or they um, had value over a tight end ever. Yeah, yeah. This year I feel like they probably will have at least five, maybe six. Uh, and I, I'm curious to see sort of how that plays out over the course of the season. But, um, yeah, the the safety position was interesting due to a complete lack of numbers. Um, you know, DJ Brown and Derek Allen were working there along with Jalen Elliott. You know, Alohi Gilman was back sort of more than he was in the first practice, mm-hmm. um, but not nothing back, live. Back. No, nothing um, live. It was it was another reminder about when we're watching practices to sort of be careful what you assume is actually happening. Um, Because apparently Terry Joseph had told Derek Allen, like, I want to see you take more chances today. I want to see you, like, take risks Mm -hmm. and, you know, push yourself. And we saw Derek Allen sort of come up on the wrong side of those. But that was a coaching decision from Notre Dame that, okay, don't play it safe today. Go out and, like, see what plays you can make. And if you get beat, you get beat. But, like, we need to... We need to yeah. learn and push this like forward. You could go ahead and make those plays if he chooses to be yeah, aggressive. Exactly. I, I hear no, but I yeah. hear what you're saying, yeah. and that's what spring practice is for, and and that's a really good thing. Um, as it relates to the safeties, I that's really the first time we've really seen DJ Brown. Certainly at, at safety, he was a corner in the fall, um, and I thought he looked natural back there. Now he probably doesn't recognize anything that he sees, uh, but I thought he looked very natural back there. We've been talking about. Paul Mawala recently, the possibility of him moving to Rover. Get a few reps there, but not in 11 on 11, right? It was 7 on 7. Yeah, I think. Well, I, was it running into Cole Komet. He did kept getting Cole Komet. Was it Rover or just playing in the box? <clears throat> I, I'm not sure. but um, It was Rover. Okay. He has okay. been moved to Rover. Okay, but he was still doing he was still doing things at safety. Yeah, but he's a, yeah. Yeah. Well, and that makes sense. They're they're down to t- they were down to two bodies there with Jack Kaiser out for the spring. And Simon played some buck yesterday. <laughs> Simon did play some buck. I, you know, I. It's just good to see a young player now. Okay, he's running around. He looks like he knows what he's mm-hmm. doing now. He's confident. You know, it's it's striking. Uh, maybe that's a. Actually, I'm going to save that thought for the second segment because there's a question. Uh, so let's move on to, you know, running backs. I thought Armstrong le- looked explosive. I thought they used he, him on jet sweeps too. A little they bit. did, yeah. yes. And I, I thought Tony Jones Jr. looked quicker than we've seen him. Uh, J- Jameer Smith looks good. Sebo Flemister, Pete, you mentioned that that mo- move that he made, a yeah. skip step that was that was really really impressive. And I, you know, the first open practice that we had, I just my impression was, man, that group looks physically good. So we've had two really positive, uh, I guess, first and second impressions of the running back core. And Tim, you talked in the else about about the offensive line and uh, the push I, that they got. I was impressed with the push they got in 11-on-11. 11 11. And they was this was real 11-on-11. 11 11. They were tackling to the ground. And, you know, I, I expect now, and, and even also in, like, they did some outside zone work where it's three-on-three three with the running back, the offensive line was doing a great yeah. job in that. And I, that's what I, I'm glad to see that because I know what Notre Dame has at defensive end. Um, <laughs> I, I did catch myself watching Lacey. I've talked about the offensive line push. Lacey made some plays, too, where he okay, naturally see, now, knifes through, and it's like, ooh, that's okay, a good so, move. Okay, so now it's know? interesting because I did not see those plays. I saw him. I, he got involved in some double teams. Mm. 
I, I thought he was having a little trouble getting off blocks. So that's what, you know, when people talk about the disparity of the practice reports, contrary to prop, some popular belief, you can't, one person cannot watch everything. Yeah, well, I was trying to watch Patterson on the play, right. and I was like, well, I just watched Lacey. <laughs> it's right. not because he made see, the play. And he, I didn't, and I didn't see that yeah. play because even though, you know, we can say, okay, I've got offense or I've yeah. got defense, you have offense. You still can only look in one or two spots maximum. You can't focus on every rap for every guy. Well, the good news is we may be down to two more in the rest of our lives of watching practice from 80 yards away because they're going to try to get outside and they will no longer be in there. And oh, I mean, I brought binoculars. I had to. I had offense. That, yeah. that at times is 110 yards away. In fact, we all everybody at the at the whole thing, offense, defense, had to report on wide receivers and corners in those seven-on-seven drills because there was something great going on at the other end, pass rushing drills, and we couldn't see a thing because they were blocked off by yeah. all the linemen. Yeah. You could hear people ooing and eyeing, like, I want to see what's going on. But that's why we're can't. here. This is an open practice. <laughs> I want to see a hit. but it was uh, that's So if you got a lot of stuff about receivers and corners, uh, listeners, yeah, that's why. It's, uh, I think the last observation that I probably would throw out there was just like kind of building on what you said about the offensive line. In When they were doing 11-on-11, I don't feel like the quarterbacks were under a lot of duress, and we know that Okwara and Kareem put you under duress naturally. So by sort of the transitive property, I feel like Eichenberg and Hainsey had good days. Yeah. So <laughs> by not watching them or seeing Jacoba her book running for their life, I feel like the offensive tackles probably had pretty good days. But I, I agree with what you said at the beginning. Like when they were doing that run period early in the practice – like it was, you know, Jafar was cutting around. Yeah, like they had yeah. space to run, probably more than I thought they would have. I was struck by um, Dalen Hayes' size, especially his lower body size. He's now listed two sixty eight, which is kind of shocking. I'm not mm. sure that I ever thought that we'd see Dalen Hayes at, at, at two sixty eight. So he's a lot bigger. A lot of people are saying, "Well, okay, we'll move him over the strong side." Just, just. He's fine where he is. They have big guys on the strong side, too. Right, they have big guys on the strong side, too. Keep him over there with Okwara. Tim, it struck you and me during Pro Day on Wednesday, and I think it was you that made the first comment, like, okay, look. It was Pete. uh, It was Pete. I mean, look at at Julian Okwara. Now, that's a kid that looks like he has stature and looks like a – he always looked like a college defensive because of his performance, but physically, just him walking on the field uh, during Pro Day – he looks the part now. Yeah, there's no, there's, what was it, a year? Like six, four and a half. Julian you know, Okwara is down 10 pounds. Yeah. Like, let's spend two weeks analyzing this. Like, that, that he's come, he, just from he's a. still listed but, at 240. But, but just like he looks no, like no. the right I think, 240. I, I think he's still, height wise, I think he's still growing. Well, Elston, that's why, yeah, that he was. He wants him big. He literally said, no, no, no. We do not want him this small at 230 last year. Yeah. I go, I want him big. I want him big. I want him bigger. Uh, but I agree with what Priester's yeah. saying. Like, he looks taller to me. Yeah, yeah he does. Oh, he looks like you don't <laughs> wonder why, why. You don't look at him and say, man, how is that guy such a good pass rusher? Now you're like, oh, that's why that guy's yeah. such a yeah, good pass rusher. I think, yeah, earlier in his career, I think it was sort of an oddity. That, like, how is this guy doing this? And now it would be like, how is he not? <laughs> like, it's, he looks phenomenal. Um, I guess we could. There'll be we, enough linebacker questions in our lives in the future. Yeah. So Yeah, I mean, I guess we could, uh, before we. Before we end this segment, um, some of the backups, Avery Davis, um, you know, he's the backup to Houston Griffith, but it's very, I mean, Griffith took a huge amount of reps yesterday, so they're totally committed to him being, mm-hmm. you know, the starting yeah. boundary corner. And Troy, I, I, I agree with you, Pete, that was something I mentioned in our instant analysis. Troy Pride 
Troy probably worked his ass off yesterday. Uh, you know, finally late in the practice, he tapped out because he had <laughs> he had chased receiver after receiver yeah. downfield. He was in press coverage most of the day. A lot of Claypool too. A lot yeah, of one on one. It was really impressive to see a veteran player. You know, in the fifth spring practice, just absolutely working himself to exhaustion to get better. That's a leader. Uh, and it just it plays into the narrative of what we saw last spring and then in August. Uh, I'm not sure it always showed itself during September, October, and November, but he's he's becoming a really, really good college corner. And the difference between him and Love is that when they get the stopwatches out, you know, they're probably not going to scrutinize it nearly as much as they do Julian Love, who I still don't believe ran a four four five, but that's what they clocked him at. It didn't look, you know, I mean, yeah, who improves a tenth of a second? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. From one but run, anyway, and, but, and you're saying in a five minute span that happened the same day. He ran. Yeah. He ran a four. No, he five. ran a four five two. I think. Oh, was it? Okay, yeah. that was four five four. But so, even yeah. that seven yeah, ten. He really, point seven, no one else that's did a, that there. Yeah, yeah. yeah was, that's a that's a lot. That's a lot. Now I know they have a lot of scouts there, but as I was discussing with Greg Gabriel last night, I mean, it's still you know that's handheld watch, held handheld watches and. You know, I mean, if somebody flinches, who was it that kept kind of rolling into their starts? Coney, yeah. right? Coney had some bad yeah, starts. Yeah, his, yeah, his cone drills were. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just like, is Julian Love faster than Dexter Williams? I would say no, based on watching football. I would say. But yet, based I, on pro day, you'd have to say yes. I would say Drew Tranquil and Dexter Williams are not the exact same speed, but based on their times, they're the exact same speed. Right. I would be hard-pressed hmm. to say... And, and all Drew Tranquil did, I know we're veering off back into Wednesday, but all Drew Tranquil did was position drills. But I cannot, in my mind, picture a more technically sound linebacker performance at a pro day than what, what he did. And I think that hurt Coney because Coney's, you know, that's not, yeah, I mean, Coney, you know, Coney's strength is put my tape in and watch me play. Yeah. And he's veering off of the line and, and Tranquil. Not touching just, the lines on the cones. Right. And, and, Tranquil is just every turn, bam, he's square. It, he he was he was spectacular. My my point was that Troy Pride Jr. When it comes down to when it comes down to the, his clocking, he's going to solidly be in the four fours, and there won't be a concern about that a year from now when he's getting ready for the yeah. NFL. It was a roundabout way of getting. Yeah, it was. I, we, we veered off, but I want to say that stuff about Pro Day and Elquara and how he looked because uh, he looks great. We'll be back. Segment two, questions from our readers, burning up the boards. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Segment two of Ivers Illustrated Insider, burning up the boards. We start with a question from Wash ND. Out of the outgoing class of players, who was the best interview and who was the worst? And what did the media do to Jerry Tillery's Cheerios <laughs> at the Notre Dame Pro Day on Wednesday? So, so Wash ND has made up his decision on the worst for us. Yes. <laughs> uh, I mean, Julian Love, I thought, was... He's an all-timer, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, I would say that he was the best. I mean, there are other good ones, but Love, I think, was the best um, from that group. You know, Tillery would be at the bottom uh, if you're talking about football. I've 
in a group I've, setting. Too. Yeah, it's like I've had some one-on-ones with him where we spend a lot of time talking about stuff other than football, and I find him really interesting. Um, you know, it's almost like, um, you know, when you talk to Clark Lee about just sort of like his teaching methods and... That's yeah. all interesting, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. But when you talk to Clark Lee about like, could you give me more detail on Shane Simon's first step as a rover versus a buck? Like, that's not that dynamic. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, Tranquil's really good, but Love love is a cut above Tranquil for me because I, I feel like Love gives you a little bit more of an unvarnished take on, like, what's going on, whereas I think Tranquil has a little extra polish to what's what's coming out. Yeah, Tranquil is, Tranquil, like Mike McGlinchey and some of the other guys are great human beings, so they're great interviews, too. Nick Coleman's a great Nick Coleman, I remember for years, I mean, including getting torched to Texas, he comes out and talks. Nick Coleman gets moved to safety. He comes out and talks. Nick Coleman is playing nickel. and get, The week he explains a play to me when I do the three guys breaking down plays, he, gets, he was benched, and I didn't know he was benched. That's when it was no. weird that all of a sudden he was benched. He comes out and talks. He's just one of my favorite guys to talk to. Yeah. But Julian Love, you're right. I mean, Julian Love's the guy that said, let's face it, we overlooked Ball State. You, you wouldn't get that. I can't think of who else ever would have said that right. to us. Yeah, That's remarkable. No, doubt. no, no doubt. He yeah, unvarnished yeah. is a good way to put it. I enjoy talking to Tranquil because I feel like I learn something. You know, yeah. Clearly, when you talk to Clark Lee, I know that's not the question, but you learn something every time you talk to him. Miles Boykin was tremendous yesterday. Um, He's very well spoken. Some, I, I don't find his to be as um, not as not as insightful right, necessarily. Right, although insightful, he he yeah. I, he opened up a little bit. I I asked him some you know some individual mm-hmm. personal questions and he. He opened up a little bit with regard to Tillery. You know, there are three ways. There are three. You have three choices. You can either not do the interview. You can either come out and try to do the interview, or you can come out and purposely try to sabotage the interview. <laughs> he, he, for the basically for the last two years in group settings, because Pete had a great one on one with him in Arizona, um, purposely tried to sabotage interviews. Why he feels that is necessary. Why? What I don't understand is why people think that 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 like he should do that, or it's. Oh, I I don't understand what the purpose of it is. I guess if you have an opinion about the media that we're all evil, then okay, I guess he should try to sabotage the interview. But um, he cho- he cho- he chose that yesterday. He chose that on many occasions previously, and uh, the Nordic media will not be interviewing him anymore. And. He's happy about that, and generally speaking, we are as well. No, I would agree with you. I mean, the other guy I, I, I can remember near the end, I was like, gosh, I do not, do not want to talk to this guy, was Max Redfield. Ooh. <laughs> Max Redfield and Jerry Tillery were the guys at the end where, well, I actually took one for the team and I had to talk to Redfield all the time because you felt the same way. You Tim. have to. You, I, I find <laughs> you more, were, with each passing year, you have to take more for the team because I'm saying I'm not talking yes. to him for the rest of <laughs> I did not talk to Tiller after pro day because I just figured, well, I'm going to get ten guys for a for a, well, he a ten was, quote yeah. story, he and was I don't need one of the guys so. that I didn't talk to leading up to, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, in in recent weeks, and so I thought I should go over there and try to, and he stonewalled me and everybody else, and so we turned around and walked uh, away. A couple, uh, not to say Mustafer in this category as oh, well. Yeah. Um, he's, nice. yep. he's he, I always found him to be excellent. And uh, he's fantastic and thoughtful, and like would really consider your questions before. Yeah, I talked them. to him a couple of weeks ago in light of you know him not being invited to the combine. I he didn't. I don't feel he had a very good day yesterday. I don't. I don't think that there was anything that. That shined favorably upon him on pro day, so it's it's a it's an uphill battle for him. He's a brilliant kid. If anybody can figure it out how to play the NFL 
with his mind. I mean, if he can figure it out, then he'll do that. I just don't think that physically he's going to have what it takes. We're probably spending too much time on this question, but I will like to point out guys like Jonathan Bonner and Nick Wisher, nicest people in the world, give you everything you ask. Jonathan, remember Jonathan Bonner talking about, uh, yeah, well, I had a broken wrist, and I was really down on myself, and there's there's an illness with his mom, obviously, yeah. and I had to go against Quentin Nelson every day with one hand, so I didn't really like football all that much. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. Which is why he considered not uh, yeah, and not playing for a fifth year. So next question is from at fan one raa Ra. I thought Julian Love was one of the best corners I've seen in a while in Notre Dame and in college football. Why is he not getting much NFL attention? What is missing from his game? Well, I mean, he ran a four four five, which compared to other elite corners is still quite slow. Uh, when you look fast, at, at least. when you look at the NFL combine numbers of like Greedy Williams, I, I believe yeah, the numbers are really starting. There's some day. four, yeah. like four three is not like oh my god, he ran a four yeah. three. It's like you were one of five people yeah. who ran a four three. Um, like Byron Murphy from Washington, I th- think ran a four five five at the combine as well, and he, people see him as um, you know first round. You know, he's not Julian Love is not that long. You know, unlike like Murphy is a longer type corner, nor is he super explosive like the kids that seem to come out of LSU every year. So yeah. that's it. I mean, I think he's he's a good prospect, is but he's not a great prospect, even though he was a great, great college football player. I think he'll look better in, when camp starts and he's in pads than he will at any no other doubt. time. He's just a good football player. He's a really good football player. He's a plug-and-play draft pick for me. That doesn't mean he should be the first corner taken. But if Julian Love goes to a smart de- – if Julian Love goes to a talented defense where they can work him in – He'll be making plays right. from the outset. Yeah. Well, the questions, well, part of the question is why is he not getting much NFL attention? The NFL has not spoken publicly. Yeah. <laughs> Julian Love, yeah, he is getting plenty of NFL attention. There were, I mean, look, there were all 32 teams were at Pro Day. There was a lot of attention toward him. I mean, I think that we would agree that Jerry Tillery is probably the high, the best prospect. Yeah. But he didn't work out. Right. So they're, they weren't right. there to see him. No, no doubt. They were there to see Julian Love. Well, and the other, I, I go back to, uh, you know, our draft expert analyst, Greg Gabriel, and he says it every year, and it's true with Julian Love. There will be 12 to 15 corners chosen within the first three rounds. Julian Love is going to be one of them. Now, yeah, I mean, it's probably going to be third round and maybe late third round. Perhaps it could spill into early fourth round, but, you know, they, they draft corners every year, and he's one of the best 12 or 15 in the country. No, no doubt about it. I thought Pete made a good point, too, with uh... – you said Shane Walton. Remember how? I mean, obviously he's a better prospect yeah. than Shane Walton, but Walton was like a seventh round pick. That that's you know he, he was an amazing. Was he even a seventh round. I pick? thought he was a seventh round pick. Okay. Um, and that's the next. That's the most I mean, recent you guy. You talk about that great good. college football. Player. Yeah, he was yeah, a great college football. That player. loves a little more well built than him, of course. But that's. But he he was. Remember, we said, man, he looks small out there. We said that on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. He oh, just he did. He, he, did. he didn't have a lot of definition to his body, and it just. Wait, are we saying Julian Love? Julian Love, yeah, he just he's yeah, a compact guy. He's... Uh, no, I'm just saying there was a, I at, on my pro day story we had a photo that actually Kishore took of Julian Love, and there is plenty of definition on oh, his yeah? upper body. Like there, you're like the muscles on the muscles. Okay, like that's good. it's, but yeah, I'd say for the most part until that that was I was like, is that Julian? Yeah, well, Love? that's a, that's an athlete straining and so yeah. you know, but. Jim underscore Bonnie. Oh, Booney, sorry. I think all ND fans breathed a sigh of relief when it was reported that Kevin Austin had a great Thursday practice. But I doubt that will cause the coach speak about his traits to stop. In your opinion, do you think that BK has ever kept a player in his doghouse longer than necessary or to a point where a less talented player was on the field? Um, Kevin Stefferson was suspended, so that is not is not part of this yeah. if you're thinking that way. Um, I mean, it, maybe we get tired of hearing about it, but the traits part 
it's important and it's it, it it's the way Brian Kelly has to run his program if you don't then you lose control of your program and that's not going to happen in Notre Dame so uh again, can you think again of a, it's not going to happen again and he has cleared this up he said in 2016 again, yeah, I chose talent changed. over yeah. traits yes and you saw what happened yeah no he's he he has to do that i get that now can you guys think of a player where he Kept them in the doghouse longer than necessary. That's kind of that's first of all, that's hard for us to judge. I am going to go back to yeah. It's really hard for us to judge. So the only one I could think of is I always felt that you could find a way to get Dexter Williams' ability on the field more than thirty nine carries the year when when Josh Adams was running to the ground. Now I know that he didn't understand the playbook, and I know Notre Dame's coaches have told us to stop. Stop right there. Notre Dame's coaches have basically well. He yeah, didn't but understand he can the still hand it to him. Yeah, he, he didn't understand the playbook, but <laughs> he do only he, running plays. He touched the ball thirty nine times and he scored five touchdowns and he averaged nine point two yards a carry. And in those thirty nine touches, twenty of them went for more than seven yards. I mean, in a way, I feel like you could work him in. So, I, but I, you could have found another ten carries for uh, yes, sure. <laughs> again, what I'm saying is though, if he doesn't know the playbook and he doesn't pass block and he can't catch a cold and he's I, always hurt and he's always hurt and complaining. Then I guess he's not in the doghouse for any bad reason that he put himself there. But I feel like he was really good, man. He could have found some carries. Yeah, I, I you know, it's there's a lot of guys that the, are good. The, the, <laughs> sports has changed. I don't. I mentioned this fairly recently, and me repeating myself. Can you imagine that? Okay. Uh, you know, the the game has changed. Where when I back in the day to say to quote back in the day, it it was team first over individual, and that's just not how the game is played anymore. Or it's not how the athletes expect it to be. Um, but Brian Kelly, like you said, it won't happen anymore because he made no. he made the change to emphasize traits. And, hey, they've won, they've won 22 games in the last two years and they had double-digit wins three of the last four years. Something is something is being done correctly by the leadership of the program. Yeah, it's like, I don't think the, the doghouse question is... One, it's all that answerable. No, um, no, I think you know. I only had one guy. Are there some instances where I felt like they could have tried out younger players on Saturdays? Like I know, so the coaches are fond of saying no game day tryouts, but like putting a guy out there just to see what you got um, earlier, whether that be, you know, like I mean, you, you even go back to like Lynch and it, where it took him a few games to get going, and it was like you ha- like these are these are clearly your most athletic players, um, you know, but. Look, if we were doing this podcast in 20, uh, I can't remember the year now. 11. No, when no. Max Redfield was a freshman, 2013. Yeah, right. I'm sure that we spent some podcasts that season wondering, why is Max Redfield in the doghouse? What is the problem with this coaching staff? Why don't they trust him? This is ridiculous. Nobody is in a position to judge who should or shouldn't be in the doghouse for how long right. outside of the... The coaching staff. One thing about traits, it's actually if you're a college football player and you're on a, at Notre Dame, it's easy to have good traits too. Go to the, go try hard. Don't do st- incredibly stupid things off the field all the time or repeatedly, and go to practice and try really hard, and then you'll play. They have never kept anyone off the field that studied their playbook as right. much as they possibly could, worked out as hard as they could, and didn't get in trouble. Well, and you're and you're surrounded <laughs> you're surrounded by guys that do do things the yes, right way. That's that's why uh, I bet by Notre yeah. Dame. There's some colleges yeah. you can go to and not. All right, follow-up to Kevin Austin uh, from Way to Go, uh, at Way to Go, K-Man. On a scale of 1 to 10, where are we with the Kevin Austin panic meter? I don't think any of us thought that he it was time to write him off. I mean, is the panic meter <laughs> that he's going to leave or the panic meter that he's going to bust? I think it's probably the latter. Okay. The bust would be zero. 
Well, I mean, even before yesterday, I, I, yeah. I think we all still yeah, felt I, like by the fall. Right. And and yesterday doesn't prove anything. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's okay. Everything's okay now. It's not, as a matter of fact. No, yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> right. Yeah, we're still. Yeah, it's, it's, as soon as Brian Kelly starts talking about how good Kevin Austin is, you can like yeah. you can start to feel good about so, what's going to happen. You know, I mean, it was. I don't know, three, four, I, you know, you start to get a little concerned because you know the talent and you're surprised at what happened at the end of last season. Um, yes. But it's certainly, I don't think any of us, or I, I don't think the Nordic coaching staff is anywhere close to panic that he wasn't going to develop. Uh, as coaches, naturally, you would like for it to be sooner rather than later, and yesterday was a very positive step for him. I haven't heard any of them. I mean, I guess they don't talk about it, but I haven't heard anyone think, "Boy, it's not what we wanted." Not what we. It's all off. It's all off the field. No, I. I mean, I think that in their practice habits, I guess, is part that, of on the field. Yeah. It's like yeah. in that yeah. sense, I, you, when you talk to coaches around the program, like guys who have off the field issues, sometimes they're like, "Get this guy out of here! I can't stand him." Kevin Austin is not one of those. Definitely guys. not. And that that is that's the most probably the most that's significant what, part of it. Somebody uh, somebody on Twitter. Uh, made a comparison to Deion Walker, and it's like, whoa, 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 Deion Walker didn't have the skill to succeed no, just a Eddie, at Eddie this Bell. level. Yeah. You know, Kevin Austin does. So, very positive step. Let's just leave it at that and see what happens on Saturday. At Big Mac 24, stuck up on a player you did not expect to impress and stuck down on a player you thought would impress. I guess this means from the one practice. Ah, it was kind of early. But, um, you know, I mean, Brock Wright was definitely worth mentioning there. Um you know, and I'd say that uh, Jacob Lacey probably as well. Not that I didn't think that he was going to be good. I just—he's sort of on track for a uh, Jerry Tillery-esque freshman season, which is not what I thought was going to be in the cards for him. Um, you know, because whereas Tillery has some really unique physical traits like the length, the height, the flexibility, Lacey just sort of looks like your regular college defensive tackle. Yeah, I um, thought he'd. I, you know, it's funny. You can you can watch him on film in high school, but then you see him in person. I thought he was going to come in looking more like a three technique. I thought he was like his film reminded me most of Jamie and Franklin. Okay, so you thought he looked more like a nose tackle, which yeah. is what I think he looks like now. That's um, what he is. Which is what he is. Which is <laughs> once what he again is. he has yes. to be. That's, yeah. just, that's the only. Well, that's not always the case because Tillery was a nose and right. No, I just mean Bonner was a nose. They don't have the bodies available. At the, yeah. He's got to be yeah. behind Heinish at this point. Um, we all agree on Brock Wright. Yeah, right, definitely. Yeah. Then and that that one's really really striking. I you know Braden Lindsay's um, Braden Lindsay's emergence from we're not sure he can catch a football. We may have to look at him at corner. To the grab that he made yesterday is pretty pretty striking. I feel like we hear good things about good and bad things about people, so we're not. I'm pulling Brian Kelly. I'm not surprised <laughs> by these things. But Brock Wright was surprising. Brock Wright. I I don't. You know, you can say oh he's in the best shape of his life. All of a sudden, he's fluid. Doesn't to be in the best shape of your life doesn't make you fluid. Yeah. He right? Fluid. No, exactly. J- losing losing twelve pounds doesn't necessarily mean you're quick now. He's, and he was quick. He's the answer to both questions. Go back last year. Yeah, Stocked well, he, down by not being impressed. I looked at Brock Wright last year in the spring. I'm like, what happened to Brock Wright that I saw on film last yeah. year? Now you're right. He, he is was the stiff. Answer to both now he's questions. fluid. Um, I mean, I, I, so stock down on a player you thought would impress. Um, it's too early for a real good one there. One practice. I would say uh, a guy that I thought didn't have a great practice just in terms of the one-on-one win-loss mm-hmm. in uh, receiver DBs was Tariq Bracey. But I, 
but I put very little to no stock right. in that because I just think he's going this. to be a really good football player here. I just think I just didn't think his practice on Thursday was at the level of Griffith or Pride. Oh, I totally agree with that. So that's yeah. that's where I'd, I'd sit with that. We'll give a we'll answer this stock down question about three more open practices. Yeah, really, not being stock, sarcastic. I mean, a, just a, in to general, fair. a stock yeah. up. Did any of us think that Justin Adamiola, Justin Adamiola, oh, after the year? Yeah, that's, I mean, he showed that he's he he's a yeah. future capable defensive end, or so it appeared during the fall, and I'm not sure that I expected that. I think he was your Pete, your postseason surprise, right? Biggest surprise was. Justin, Adamola. yeah, because yeah. we always hear yeah. about guys that are surging. You didn't really hear that, and then you watch him play. Like, whoa, he's good. You know, I guess there he's going to be. He yeah. could be good. I, to be unfair, to yeah, yeah go ahead. Question. Let's be unfair. Well, Josh Lug is a guy that I think we've kind of expected him to. Although I guess he was getting some first team reps at left guard yesterday. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I think that's something to do with limiting Banks as an undisclosed minor injury. He's kind of yeah. limiting his reps, but yeah. that's what well, you want to see Josh Lug rotating in, though. That's, yeah. They certainly need him. Uh, from Jay Jude, in regards to the passing game, which skill do you think is most likely to develop and which would be more important? U- utilizing the big body tight ends over the middle or Ian Book developing a consistent deep ball uh, that defenses have to respect? I'm positive the one that is most likely to develop is they will use tight ends because they would. It, it's in the offense. It was there to be had last year and Book didn't always pull the trigger on him. Um, if maybe it wasn't the right read, he was a pretty accurate dude, and the offense moved pretty well most of the time until they ran into the best team in the nation. Uh, but they will use tight ends over the middle. Uh, it's it, it was one of those things where I guess I didn't complain about it last year because Ian Book was completing seventy four percent of his passes right. to the perimeter, and, and you don't care who the hell he's throwing. Right, but I, I mean, I am, <laughs> keep keep completing three quarters of them. He'll be doing that this year. Um, <laughs> what do you think, P? Uh I think yeah, I agree with O'Malley that the most likely one is the tight end, um, but I think the more important one is the deep ball, just because it it gives you more real estate that you have to defend. Yeah, yeah, um, I agree. Yeah, you know, I, the answer. I think both probably will be better, but um, you know, there's no question that teams did not have to respect Notre Dame very much beyond twenty yards after the line of scrimmage. But yeah, I, I put that's no. not a good place to be. I put in the practice report that I, I think one issue Book sometimes has is still timing on the deep ball, but I don't know how you clear that up when he has to throw the deep ball most often, any good quarterback, off a play-action pass because you have to wait for it to develop. But he almost seems like he has to get rid of it a tick earlier, otherwise he, yeah, it's all he arm strength. To, he, he waits too long. Do, yeah. He does wait too yeah, long. He seems yeah, to. and we talk about you know maybe putting a little bit more air under it. Um, yeah, I'd like to think that I'd like to think at least a portion of his issues with the deep ball last year was just as a first-time starter. I mean, we we know that he, you know that that he fought nerves at times, and I think that that came into play with some of those throws, especially after you've missed a couple. Um, but I I agree with Pete. I think both will improve to what degree. Uh, I didn't think Comet caught the ball really well yesterday, or he had a couple difficult catch opportunities that he didn't make. Uh, but here again, I'm. That was offense, so I'll let you yeah. talk about that. But uh, uh, next question from uh, CMU Penns fan: Given all the talk about uh, which newer recruits will shine through for Notre Dame and which ones are struggling, which player in your past experience did you first see and think, "No way will he make it," and then watched him become a big time contributor? Likewise, a player that you uh, thought had it all put together and never came came together for him. Um. 
I know the first few times I saw Matthias Farley, I was not real impressed yeah. with him, um, both on tape and his freshman year when he was sort of a redshirt freshman receiver. And uh, heavy, as Bob Elliott said. Yeah, and then he turned into a really good player who's playing in the NFL. So that that would definitely <laughs> so he wins. <laughs> he, he's going to be a tough one to top, like sort of however long I'm covering Notre Dame for like the guy I was just like off about the most. Yeah, that's who do you, the highest probably going to be the winner of that, right? I mean, that's he became a basically a four year starter. Nichols a starter, you know. He was <laughs> he started in the national championship game. Yeah, as a Richard. Yeah, that's. I, I, mean, I, I think, think he. Got uh, I think he outfought the game, which is why a big reason why he's still in the NFL. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, I did not. I had no idea Kevin Stefferson was as good as he was I like coming out of yeah, high school. I was a Stefferson guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I I didn't see that. Still am. I still have a Stefferson. He frankly, has improved quite a bit over the last year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, to the point where if they could just have kept that guy on the field, um, we're talking about we're talking about a great four year wide receiver at Notre Dame, or a, a great three year wide receiver at Notre yeah, Dame. Yeah, well, yeah, it yeah. probably would have come down to that. Yeah, I'd say guy. after two years, I never would have guessed in a million years that Miles Boykin would become this. Uh, yeah. When the coaches tell me he can't get off the line, he's not strong enough, first of all, look at him. Denbrock says, yeah, he's probably catching the ball better because he has a broken hand, so now he's concentrating more. I'm like, these are none of these are positive. Yeah. <laughs> and Miles Boykin was arguably the offensive MVP I mean, last year. Yeah. I, try, is, I mean, is there anybody that comes to mind for you guys of guys that you really liked, maybe more less so on tape, but like the first impression? Darnell Yule? Max Redfield. I thought would be great. It, we, our first interview with him, he was the most well-spoken, yeah. thoughtful kid in the world, too. That was that was a miss. Uh, Alizé Mack, I thought would be very good, although I was warned by many people that there could be yeah. something there. But you, I always you thought... Fell for that I fell for Alizé. So, yeah, that's, that's on, mine. Uh, that's on you. I fell for Alizé right. Mack. That would be my miss of who I thought would be great. Well, look at him. I mean, you yeah. look at you <laughs> yeah. look at him on Wednesday, it's like, damn, Alizé's looking good. Then he dropped two easy catchable balls from Tommy Reese, who... And he made the yeah. best catch of the day. And then yeah. he made... Yeah, yeah so it's a... Uh, it's kind of hard to kind of hard to figure out. <laughs> I'm going to keep reporting Loftus Center highlights by Alizé Mack until I can't do it anymore because I did it for the last two and a half years. Yeah, so. you know, I think another, I think a guy that um, <coughs> I'm not sure if this fits into the category, but like T.J. Jones, I remember coming out of high school and thinking like regular, right? Re- regular, but every person you talked to him about was like. This guy is going to kill it in college, and, and you're like, well, I, you know, I just watched Floyd and Tate. And <laughs> yeah, that's true. We were a little spoiled at like, that point. Like T.J. Jones, are you sure? And like, just trust me, this guy's going to be yeah. really, really good. Remember how? My, he was... Remember he picked up a tenth of a second. Remember how quick, how much quicker he yes. became in his senior yes. year. Yes. You know, uh, you just don't it, – those kind of things are rare. I have another one that I fell for a little bit. He ended up being a pretty good. He ended up being a good senior, but I thought he'd be when I watched him as a freshman. Um, I thought he'd be really good for four years, and it took three more years. Andrew Trombetti. I thought I really liked Trombetti. I saw him go in there as a freshman, yeah, play like against Michigan. Stature, though I didn't, I just saw him make plays as a true freshman with the worst defensive coordinator in the history of mankind teaching him. And I thought <laughs> this guy will probably be a heck of a player. And then he did. He waited until they had they got a new coordinator. <laughs> three years later, he was a good senior. I mean, he, did he, have he, a good he had a, he had a good year. senior year, but yeah. it, that's he didn't have he didn't have anything in the middle. So that's that would be yeah. Fun. I never really was enamored with Niles Morgan as the five-star type. So oh, I definitely I was that, not. Yeah. I agree with you there. I thought Mike Hireman, you know, he he, you know, he had injuries and stuff. But this class could be discussed. I'm looking at it now. Yeah, Just, I, mean, I, I like thought, Justin I thought Mike Hireman. I thought Mike yeah. Hireman was a guy that was going to be able to catch a football yeah. for them. Yeah, I mean that was a big guy. 
when when they signed him, he was sort of like, oh, you're following up on Nicholas and Eifert and Rudolph yeah, with Mike Hireman. The, the problem was happened. that he didn't he didn't have that stature, that physical stature that those guys did. No, I just, I just remember seeing him on a recruiting visit, like that's a thick dude. Yeah, um, but I, I I mean I thought it was high school film. I thought that's a guy that can get open. You're gonna you can run to green. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I didn't think he get mentioned today. Yeah, <laughs> no, I just he just came to mind. This this uh, could be an entire podcast next yeah. time. The guys we were right and wrong about Samson. Samson is exiting our podcast here to take care of business <laughs> after so it's all because of the hireman conversation. Yeah, He's done. Gonna, <laughs> all right, so uh, O'Malley and I will continue on uh, with a question from <laughs> Sorry sweet, to offend you, about sweet it. Lou, <laughs> sweet Lou Corduroy. I haven't heard much about Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa. Don't know how healthy he is. And nothing about Jonathan Jones. Do you guys feel like they've already been passed up or finding their way out of consideration as starters at Rover slash Mike? I mean, depending on... I wrote a story about how I believe Shane Simon was going to stick and stay at Rover over the first four practices, and now he's cross-training a buck. But you know what? They're cross-training guys because they have to. They don't know what they have yet. Yeah. They moved Asmar Bilal away from Buck yesterday to Mike, so of course you're going to move a guy to Buck also. But to cross-train him there, I mean, they have a little faith in Owusu Koromoa, right? Otherwise, you would say, we have to play Shane Simon yeah, and Rover. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think, first of all, he's, he's coming off the injury. Secondly, the adaptation to Rover, I don't think, has been real easy yeah. for him. Third, Shane Simon's 230, Owusu Koromoa's 215. So it's like the difference between a, an outside linebacker, which is what the Rover position is, yeah. uh, or strong safety in the box. And... So I think that that's a that's a, a difference. I mean, there, there is a significant physical difference when you look at those two. Owusu Kormoro is put together well, but he's a, but he's a smaller outside linebacker, and I think Simon's adapted to the position better. And they're moving Moala to Rover, which means they want. But they they had two people; they had to move. That that yeah. should not be a reflection tell you, Mawala, on anyone. You need Mawala, three. Moala in the box is is a is a good football player. He's definitely one of those players that when you move him closer to the line of scrimmage. He becomes more effective, and I think that I think that was kind of on, that was on display a little bit during during Thursday's practice because he was he was he was moving from safety to up near the line of scrimmage in the box, and he was more effective closer to the snap of the football. And I don't love him in space, to be fair. Yeah, right? no, I mean I think that that's kind of been the concern, and and we're seeing that come to fruition as it pertains to Jonathan Jones. You know, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what to say other than Jordan Jim Markeith is a better prospect. Jack Lamb, long-term, is a better prospect. Mm-hmm. They're both a little bit longer. Bo Bauer beat him out last August for a reason, right? As a true freshman, early enrollee. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know what to say. He didn't than, hold that spot, but he beat him out at some yeah, point. There I mean, was... so for everything that we don't say about Jonathan Jones, we're saying about other linebackers, and they can't, they can't all be prominent at the same time, right. generally speaking. So I think... I think that's where we are with them. Next from at JJ Alwine, let's talk about body transformations. Going back to the Charlie Weiss era here, yeah. any rocked up units? Who are the first three you guys want walking off the bus? Liam Eikenberg should walk off the bus first in this situation. I, I don't know about a rocked up unit, but he's an imposing Yeah, I would figure. agree with that. Yeah. And to a large extent, I mean, and this is this has a lot to do with the way he carries himself is Julian O'Quara. Yes. I, I yeah. mean, the way Julian O'Quara carries himself, I would like... I would like the opponent to see the look on his face as he comes off a bus because it's a very confident. Uh, yeah, it is. He's very, been... yeah, you know, very confident. I'm gonna, I'm going to <laughs> quietly kick your ass today. Quietly too. He's not on the all. No, definitely team in the not. Future. I mean, as far as rocked up units, I don't. We see him in football uniforms, so it's it's a little difficult. I mean, Komet always looks like a football player when he just arms going everywhere. Yeah. He's, but if you're talking, I guess they're talking about like. 
that I mean, pro days where you saw the rocked up units. Those guys are. Uh, yeah, Justin Brent was the geez. was the biggest yeah. rocked up unit that we saw uh, on the Coney. football field. Tavon Coney for his. Yeah, both of and, and and both those guys are yeah. are pretty stiff. Justin Brent, who had a really good final year at Nevada, really is man. He's a when he comes out of his backpedal. Not that anybody really gives a damn about this, but when he comes out of his backpedal. He is such a short stepper, yeah. which is a horrible thing for a safety coming out of a backpedal because you've got to make up ground, obviously, that safeties and corners. So um, he was the most impressive guy. I mean, who are, who are we missing? Tranquil is a pretty impressive oh, Tranquil guy. Is, I mean, Tranquil is... is just, uh, I mean, that's a dream. I, I was speaking to Clark <laughs> Lee for a minute the other day and after Pro Day. And, uh, I mean, he just, he basically said that's a dream come true kid. Yes, to coach, oh. and he said the same thing about Coney, but it's it's just a little bit different. You know, Tranquil is just well. Yeah, I mean, it is a little different. Coney took three and a half years to yeah. mature. Yeah, Tranquil walked on campus mature. Yeah, and made himself into a pro. That's that's what's remarkable. At AP underscore Carpenter, when will we all know Eric Kuma's decision? When Eric Kuma decides. Exactly. I was wondering why I had that on there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would I would think that it would probably be as the semester is ending. Yes. So late that's... April, early May. Uh, I you know I don't know when Eric Kuma when Eric Kuma chooses among it's a it's a handful of schools I, and Notre Dame has a very good chance I think I mean I think in fact I would go so far as to say that Notre Dame is a front runner I don't know what that means or how much you know it, there yeah. can only be one winner so um, I don't know but he I I stand by the thought even though the young the the young receivers looked very good yesterday you're not going to turn down a guy that scored. What was it? Seven or eight touchdowns? I mean, that yeah. would have, if he had scored eight at Notre Dame, that would have tied Miles Boykin. So I don't think that you turn a guy down like that. There's no reason for the the development of the young guys to be stunted if they're ready to contribute, which it looked like yesterday. No, I, I bring on talent, as I said. <laughs> when you're bringing on someone in your top fifty-five players, he clearly is a top fifty player at Notre, coming to Notre Dame. You with, bring him on your roster with size, yeah. which is. Which is lacking a little bit with right. Yeah, know, the Lindsay's Lindsay. not very big. Keys, Keys is not very big. big. Fink's not very big. Fink was tremendous yesterday. Got absolutely. Fifteen passes. It was, he was just absolutely just tremendous. Yeah. Absolutely. He tremendous. faked out DJ Brown twice at the end of a rep. I'm not sure Brown knew that the rep was continuing, but it is continuing. You're supposed to keep going, you know. Right. And he just well, it was continuing. It was continuing for Fink. It was continuing for Fink because he shook him out of his shoes twice. So we'll find out about Eric Kuma. But you know, Claypool's really the only. Prominent big guy right now. Michael yeah. Jones hasn't made a move. Joe Wilkins, I think, will grow into that, but he's right now just a solid guy. That, yeah, I don't you know, see him as a big guy. I mean, he may be I guess six two. He's yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, I wanted to throw in two news bits we forgot to put into instant analysis yesterday because it's not higher into the roster. But Drew White out four months, about four months with uh, surgery that's supposed to be today. I think mm-hmm. shoulder surgery, AC yeah. joint. Um, I mean, that, that became more relevant because of the position he plays, and we saw him out there once in a while with the ones. Right. And then Javon McKinley is reinstated on the team, but that will be uh, reevaluated at the end of the semester by Brian Kelly. And I d- d- don't expect him to get in the mix at receiver. I don't, I, no, I, I don't, just, but he, that was, I don't people see. didn't think he'd be reinstated probably at all. So that's, right. that is, that's probably, he was there yesterday, and Brian Kelly had a 15-minute, am I exaggerating? Sideline talk with him at least. It 10? was a solid. No, it was a solid twelve to fifteen minute conversation. I'm sure about traits. <laughs> I think the word I'm came sure up. traits had a lot to do with it. We appreciate you joining us uh, for our podcast today. We thank our sponsors. Uh, if you we we have a tentative list of our upcoming 
podcast. And our next one will be Monday, March 25th. We have an open practice on this Saturday. We will be there. We'll have an opportunity to talk to Brian Kelly. Uh, whether we talk to players or not, that's still kind of up in the air, but that is scheduled. So we have a, a lot to cover this weekend. And we'll be back for our podcast, uh, the three of us. We presume again on Monday, March 25th. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics.